2: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On with me, Dave Warnieke, and then Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Oh, okay.
0: How do you do? And then, oh, until you said okay, I didn't realise that he ranked us there, sort of. Is that no, what you're okay? I, and them? Oh, them. Okay. With
2: an M.
1: Yeah, them. So it's me versus
2: you oh, he two. he was to...
0: he was ranking us.
2: Seriously, you want to go against us? I reckon you I... want to go up against. Oh my god! You what a fucking idiot! Are That's you real serious? Dumb. That's real You want to go up against us? Yeah. We I'm are the, I'm the assume... sassiest I'm and assume... the second sassiest people on this podcast.
0: Jimmy's joking. He can't take on the might of the Sass twins.
2: <laughs> sass twins. Yeah.
1: Right. I. Uh, uh... I was bluffing and you called me. It's a real rank thing
2: there too, isn't it? Because it's like Dave up top and then those two shitheads. Yeah, then the rest. at the bottom. Is that what you feel, Dave?
1: No, I love you guys and I'm really sorry and I don't want to fight because I'd lose. (laughs) Otherwise, I would want to fight just to put it on the record.
2: Okay, interesting choice.
0: (laughs) That's smart, I guess. And
2: the Sass twins win again.
0: (laughs) Classic Sass. Classical Sass. All right. (laughs) Which is sort of like the name of the song. A great song. <laughs> and the similarities end there.
1: Mm-hmm. We're all big fans of classical gas. We yes. all
2: are. Mason Williams.
0: I'm more, well, I'm more a fan of the bit in The Simpsons where Lenny requests oh, classical,
2: yeah. gas. classical gas. Please classical gas!
1: Great track, it really, really is.
2: Mm, it's in The Dish, great Australian film.
1: Great, great film. Great, and real, the similarities
2: end there. <laughs> <laughs> it's late at night and um, we're going to lose our minds. So that'll be fun. <laughs> Look forward it's going to be next, real fun. Next hour and a half of that. Anyway, let's get into the report for this week. Now it's Mr. Matt's turn
1: to report. I thought when you call me Mr. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> <To> get... <laughs> you were joking downstairs before about everyone else going out for beers on this Thursday night and us having to come up here and do a school report. So you are going to be Mr. Matt this week. Uh, and to get us on topic, because Matt has written a report that Jess and I don't know what it's about, we, he's going to ask us a question.
2: All right. Question time.
0: So my question to you is, it's very self-referential, so you guys are probably in a, quite a good position to be able to answer this, <laughs> okay. but also... Is
1: the answer Dave? Or Jess? Oh,
0: fuck. All right. Well, if you're going to get it before I even... Today's episode is about Dave and Jess.
2: Yay!
0: Mm-hmm. Legit been qu- requested on multiple occasions.
2: My favorite subjects.
0: The question today... Is mm. whose life story, so it's a, uh, it's a person, okay. whose life story includes connections to do go on favourite topics like World War I, the Academy Awards, Walt Disney, Oof. Queen Elizabeth II, and fuck? James Bond? How? Some of them are tenuous.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. Are they
1: alive at the same time as many of these things? Yes. Is it the same that everyone in that sentence was alive in the 20th century, just like everyone in this room?
0: Yes. No, no. There's no, some grazers and some like deep, deep involvements.
1: So they're probably English, maybe.
0: All right. Let me, let me um, narrow it down a little bit. Which, which author's life story includes connections Author. to World War II, the Academy Awards, Walt Disney, Queen Elizabeth II, and James Bond? It's a tough one. I, I imagine you wouldn't get it. What if I threw in Cadbury chocolate? Wonka no <laughs> you were with your Ro- author roald Dahl? it is roald Dahl. Ah! I'm giving the point to Jess there
2: yeah, because I said Wonka.
0: And Wonka was kind of based a little bit on and Dahl. Actually,
2: I was so. just calling Matt a wanker and I misspoke. <laughs> <laughs> but don't tell him.
0: Lucky I got away with this one. <laughs> that's Roald Dahl.
2: Roald Dahl. I love Roald Dahl.
1: Very cool. Are you awesome. going to go through and tick off all these references? I think,
0: yeah, oh, well, I, I, I created that question as I was writing the report. I'm like, oh, another one. Roald
1: Dahl, that's... It's a, that's a striking name. Yeah, it is Rolled. a striking name. Rolled. Rolled. Is that his birth name?
0: That is his mm. birth name, yeah. Uh, this What, oh, do we- you know that, Jess? I
2: did know that. Bullshit. Oh, fuck you. Oh, You're no. a real wonker. Oh, fuck off. Oh, get fucked. No. Oh, come on, fuck you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this topic I've got access
2: was... to the internet. I've looked up things before. Fuck off.
0: Topic was suggested by Harry Green via email. Also, someone who goes by the name Me. At uh, Yjink Scrawler. Andy CT at SuperAndy83. Kevin Flanagan via email. And also OscarEd51 at OscarEd51. Very
1: popular request.
0: It was, yeah, quite a popular request. Roald Dahl was born in Landaff, a district in Cardiff, Wales, on the 13th of September, 1916. His parents were Norwegian-born, Sophie and Harold. Uh, And he was named after Norwegian explorer Roald Amundsen. Oh,
1: the first one to get to the South Pole. Yes. (laughs) That's true. He's the
0: first ever man.
2: I know that
1: too. Is that another...
0: I could call that another connection to maybe what... Oh, and then when you say another
2: connection, it's another rainbow connection, Muppets. Muppets.
0: Here we go. All right. We're going to rack up a bunch here today if we're going we go on that uh, I'll find a that way That tenuous <laughs> You'll find a way Alright I want you to link it To all 104 episodes You got it Including the one About Roald Dahl <laughs> Which should be easier
2: <laughs> Maybe
0: uh, His sisters had Similarly unique names
2: Sisters Okay Um. Who that we've reported on Has sisters Okay <gasps> Cleopatra
1: Marie
0: Curie
2: There we go Fuck yeah
0: Right, this is going to get tedious.
2: <laughs> um,
0: and that yeah, they had pretty unique names for Welsh children as well, as well. Astri, Alfhild, and Else. Else. E-L-C-E. S-E. Is that Elsie? What else? Else. No, Elsa. It's probably Else. Elsa, Elsa? Yeah, yep. As a child, Norwegian was Dahl's first language, uh, which he would speak at home and he spent many childhood summer vacations staying with his grandparents in the Norwegian capital of Oslo. Uh, When Dahl was three years old, his sister Astrid died from appendicitis at only seven years of age. Hmm. Houdini.
1: Uh, In his autobiography. Was also
2: once seven years old.
1: Also had the problem with his appendix, remember? That's why, and he died.
2: Oh. Do you remember that episode? Yeah, I do. It was my report. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I do remember that episode, Dave. Fuck off.
0: Um, (laughs) Can I ask for a moratorium on, on tedious links? Maybe just note them down. And at the very end give us all hundred and four, please, David.
2: This is interesting, isn't it? That he wants us to stop interrupting and let him do his report instead of jumping in with references to things that nobody cares about, like, oh, I don't know, football clubs or bands.
0: <laughs> it is draft period at the moment in the AFL <laughs> and um, yeah, the Saints
2: Sorry to cut you off there, Matt, but if you could just <laughs> go on
0: with your report. Just to remind you, this what you interrupted there was me telling you about Roald Dahl's seven-year-old sister dying.
1: Yes. Which reminds me of a famous (laughs) magician.
0: Uh, In his autobiography, Dahl later wrote that Astrid was far and away my father's favourite. That's me being him. That's why I said my.
1: (laughs) Soon after her (laughs) death. Soon after (laughs) her death. (laughs) It's weird that you chose that one as your favourite Dahl. Fair enough, Matt? Fair enough.
0: Soon after her death, struggling with grief, his father, Harold Dahl, passed away from pneumonia. Mm. Dahl wrote... My father refused to fight, so he died.
2: Brutal review from a three-year-old. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, he wrote that later on.
2: I know, but like, it's <laughs> like, come on, dad. Yeah. Spoonful of concrete. Harden the fuck up. He,
0: well, he was just saying it was so heartbroken from his. Daughter. I know,
2: I get what he's saying, but it's a, it's a brutal thing for him to say.
0: I think when, as a three-year-old, you lose your dad and your, your older sister, you probably end up being, I don't know. I don't wanna make excuses for the man. But you probably learned learn to um, hide your emotions a bit or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, I n- understand the world. <laughs> what a fucking waste of space I am.
2: hmm Yeah. Yep, no, we're, we're not arguing with that.
0: We've <laughs> got the concrete over <laughs> here, Matt. Sass <laughs> queens are turning on each other.
2: No, sorry, Maddie.
0: After considering moving back to Norway to be closer to family, Dahl's mum decided to stay in Wales to make sure her children received a British education. Uh, which her husband believed to be the best quality in the world. Roald was sent around to many different schools. He initially studied at the Landaff Cathedral School, but after causing mischief playing practical jokes, he copped a beating from the principal and was transferred to St. Peter's Boarding School, which he fucking hated. <laughs> fucking hated it. It was real tough. Um, then he was transferred to a high-achieving private school named Repton. Didn't have a good time there either. He's, he did not enjoy the school system. It was just pretty brutal and pretty rough. Anyway, according to his autobiography, his friend Michael copped a huge caning by the headmaster, Jeffrey Fisher.
2: A Michael caning.
0: A Michael caning. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. I'm...
2: I'm whipping the shit out of you. I'm whipping your...
0: Your... (laughs) Oh, uh, oh. Oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) Whipping your (laughs) ox.
2: He knows you're you're next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Jeffrey Fisher went on to become uh, his his headmaster there, went on to become the Archbishop of Canterbury. Oh. Which I guess you could relate back to King Henry, yeah, because he sort of started the religion that he's the head of anyway. Tenuous. Um. So anyway, Geoffrey Fisher, as Archbishop of Canterbury, crowned Queen Elizabeth II in 1953. So that
2: mm, is, I didn't see the link.
0: <laughs> <laughs> two degrees of separation. And that was his
1: headmaster. That was his
0: headmaster, yeah. That's
1: genuinely impressive.
0: He uh, wasn't seen to be a particularly good writer at school. One of his English teachers wrote in his report that they had never met anyone who so persistently writes words meaning the exact opposite of what is intended.
2: <laughs> 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 oh, that's great! Uh,
0: did you, you? You might have known this. Darwin was a very tall man. He was six foot six. And uh, not quite tall. Was pretty sporty. He played uh, squash, captain of the squash team, also played soccer and cricket.
2: Is there another name for squash?
0: Uh, some is uh, similar but different. It's
2: not okay. It's not the same. Cool. Thank you for clarifying. But
0: a very similar idea. It's in in a weird room mm. where you hit the ball up against the wall. A little Never rubber played.
2: Ball. I don't think I want to.
0: Yeah, it's a it feels it makes like a, a bit claustrophobic. That, yeah, you really you close.
2: Yeah, I don't like that.
0: Closed in and one wall's glass or something?
2: No, I need space. Yeah. From you guys, I need some space. We need to talk.
0: That's why we we record in this this field. (laughs) Uh, According to his autobiography, his mum offered to pay for him to study at Oxford or Cambridge after graduating Repton, but he replied, No, thank you. I want to go straight from school to work for a company that will send me to wonderful faraway places like Africa or China. Which is what he did after graduating in 1932. He hiked through Newfoundland. Uh, Then in 1934, accepted a gig with Shell Oil, which had him working in Kenya and Tanzania in Africa until 1939.
2: Wow. Also, how was she going to afford to send him to Oxford or Cambridge?
0: Uh, Cash money. I never just told you, they they did all right. They were able to immigrate overseas. True. I think they were
2: wealthy. Uh, yeah, not, 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 it, not super wealthy. Yeah, but it had some money. Comfortable.
1: She played the stocks, Jess. Come on.
2: She played the bogies. <laughs> yeah,
1: she was a great, great professional. She played gambler. the fiddle really well. <laughs> Got paid a
0: lot. <laughs> really, <laughs> really in demand busker. She was a fiddler. Uh, so 1939, Dave. Why do you reckon he maybe he? That was where the
2: job ended.
1: It's a good year. Probably had to go home to enlist.
0: It was, so World War Two broke. I
2: couldn't even think of a joke answer. You just went straight for the truth. He's
0: playing my role. <laughs> One of us has to uh, misunderstand what the point of the show is. Yeah, Jess, come on. And answer everything sincerely. We
1: look back at the joke per answer capita. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. You are the leader.
1: <laughs> per capita.
2: But if we look at the dumb answers per capita. Yeah.
1: You are killing it, Jess. I, I am...
2: Everything. The champion:
0: So World War II broke, Dull ended up in Nairobi. It broke. In Kenya, it did. It Aww. broke. broke early and it broke often. and <laughs> uh, whatever that means. And <laughs> <laughs> So we ended up in Kenya for training before joining the Royal Air Force. the RAF.:
2: They are the ones who fight in the sky.
0: With less... And he wasn't a pilot or anything, I don't think, at this point. I don't think he'd really flown stuff. That is true, Jess. (laughs) Sorry for the delayed uh, gratification. Never.
1: What? So we just had to cross-check your answer there, Jess, and you were correct. Thank you.
2: So with
0: less than eight hours' experience in a Tiger
1: Moth, he flew solo.
2: Shit. (laughs) That is so bad. What the fuck?
1: And also, this is the start of the war, presumably, where there's still a a lot of fight. Like actual pilots alive.
2: Yeah, Because so yes. yeah, by the end of the Boy. war, they're like, you,
1: get in the plane and fly it. Yeah. But at
2: the start, surely isn't there a, there's a few, right? Well, we've talked about plane incidences where somebody perhaps didn't have enough experience and they had 150 hours. <laughs> he had, yes. He has less than eight. The,
0: the Valentich mm. disappearance and also Bermuda Triangle. Yep. All right. <laughs> now I'm getting stuck into this stupid game that I also started mm-hmm. and then uh, got angry about. It's gone full circle. All right. <laughs> Dahl was assigned to a squadron flying obsolete Gloucester gladiators, which were the last fighter biplanes used by the RAF. Fighter biplanes. Uh, He was a bit shocked to learn that he would not be trained in flying the gladiators or in aerial combat. In uh, September 1940, uh, on the 19th, it was the day before Dahl was to commence active duty. He was sent off to fly his gladiator from Egypt to Iraq and then on to Libya. When he came in to land in Libya, he was low on fuel and struggling to find an airstrip. Uh, He attempted to land in the desert, but crashed with the undercarriage of the aircraft hitting a boulder. He fractured his skull and was temporarily blinded. The plane was in flames, and despite his injuries, he was able to drag himself clear before passing out. He was rescued and taken by train to a Royal Navy hospital in Alexandria, Egypt. Uh, and
2: Not Alexandria, Sydney. Exactly. Interesting.
0: Uh, and <laughs> he was dragged
1: to Sydney.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> An RAF inquiry into the crash found that he was given dud instructions and he was accidentally sent to a no-man's land area with no airstrip and it was somewhere between the Allied troops' Uh, and where the Italian forces were located, we can I
1: also point out how dud the instructions are he 's in Egypt they 've told him to fly to Iraq and then to Libya, despite the fact that Libya is next door to egypt. yeah, I think there was I think there were other th- I think there were <laughs> you go go north and then come
0: back I think there must there must have been he was picking someone up or something okay. there was some sort of reason or i 've said the wrong thing
2: Matt do you reckon it was drugs. Drugs. He was, was drug he, running. He was picking up drugs. He was picking up drugs. He was, he was putting gonna, them down. Putting <laughs> <He does laughs> drugs. But uh,
0: they did tell him he was picking up the drugs you were putting down. <laughs> Just, I don't know.
2: I would never put down drugs. That's right. If you're I always, pick them up, talking
0: them up. Aren't you?
2: Yeah. <laughs> never put down drugs. Never
0: put down drugs. <laughs> all your friends. Just so let's all be supportive. Yeah. I'm going to reference an article from September last year, um, a bunch. It's from this uh, publication called The Monthly. I don't know if you guys know that. It's an Australian publication. It comes How out
2: frequently out... does it come out?
0: <laughs> Look, I haven't. I don't know this for sure, but I assume it is weekly. Um, the article <laughs> that I'm re- referencing is called The Man Who Never Grew Up. Here is an excerpt. In a telegram sent to his mother from the Anglo-Swiss hospital in Alexandria... Dated 14th of October, 1940, Dahl wrote, Caught fire, but only concussion, broken nose. Absolutely okay soon. Uh, in reality, the crash had almost killed him. He was badly burned, blinded for weeks, and had to have his nose surgically reconstructed. The effects of a fractured skull and spinal injuries would cause Dahl chronic pain for the rest of his life. But he also believed that his near-death experience was the thing that made him a rider. In a 1954 letter to his close friend Charles Marsh, an American newspaper owner, Dahl confessed, I doubt I would have written a line or would have had the ability to write a line unless some minor tragedy had sort of twisted my mind out of the normal. rut." I, I left a weird pause there. <laughs> I emerged a tiny philosopher.
2: Oh, sorry. Tiny philosopher is just cute. <laughs> like, imagine, like a little toddler wearing a three-piece suit. Just really? walking around is a field what, like, I am Socrates! What is time? <laughs> well, that's very cute. You don't think a time of him cute? Oh, shit, that's cute.
0: Yeah, that's what happened to him after the <laughs> plane oh, crash. He's
2: so little, yeah. but he's still so thoughtful. He just, what he loves to think. Fuck, that's cute.
1: a toddler with a goatee.
2: I'm imagining, like, the KFC colonel, but little. <laughs> It's just the
1: Colonel, one of the classical. most famous philosophers.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was wondering where you're going with
1: three-piece suit. Oh my God, she's watching... got a picture in her mind. With...
2: <laughs> <it> a little, <laughs> did a little a southern gentleman. Do you mean a
1: three-piece suit or a three-piece feed? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I hated it. that joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I liked it, Dave. But that was good sass, Jess.
2: <laughs> Thank you. So, do go on. Oh, a tiny philosopher!
0: Darl was later discharged from hospital and and uh, called fit to resume his flying duties.
1: It's just a different time, isn't it? Where you can break your back, fracture your head, and then a bit later they're like, get back out there, mate.
2: <laughs> See ya.
0: Nose had to be just reformed onto his face. <laughs> that
2: d- now. He was blind for a few weeks. You'll be right, out you go. Go fly a plane. Uh,
0: throughout 1941, he took part in aerial combat in the Mediterranean taking part in the Battle of Athens alongside the highest scoring British ace of World War two
2: highest scoring at uh, Miss pac-man
0: <laughs> yeah I thought that was a weird term as well I looked it up and it this guy was uh, his name was Pat Paddle and he was uh,
2: Pat paddle
0: Pat paddle
2: Pat Paddle
0: his that was his that's what he's known as yeah Pat Paddle Pat- Real, Pat- Paddle. Real name might even be better than that, maybe not. But his real mm. na- birth name, was Marmaduke Paddle. <laughs>
2: Fuck off!
1: <laughs> and he chose Pat. I mean, uh,
2: Marmaduke
1: yeah, Paddle. Duke. The Duke Paddle.
2: Fuck, that's good. That's such a good name. Duke Paddle.
1: Put it in the list. That's top ten we've ever had. Wow, I'd love to see that list written out.
0: Yeah. Anyway, not now. Don't put the pen down, Dave. Sorry, I meant later. It's the second Duke we've had. So anyway, so second high. Uh, sorry, the highest scoring British ace of World War II, Pat Paddle. So um, that just means the
1: most kills. Is that what that? Yeah, means?
0: most kills. And to be to be an ace, I think you've got to have shot down at least five plus. I think that's what it was. Five plus. No, plans. you got to
2: do the the queen and the king. <laughs> you
0: got to do them. <laughs> you got a we... complicated system.
2: Ace is a cool nickname. Yeah. Fuck. Now I'm stuck with Bob.
0: <laughs> Two years later, <laughs> you've gone,
2: <sighs> ah. is it
1: too late? <laughs> you, went, you went too early.
2: Mm.
0: Bop Ace. Ace Bob. You can combine them. You, no. You, Thank you. you. You'd, you'd, make a, you'd be making a huge mistake, but you could. <laughs> I just want you to know that the option is open. Thank you. Anyway, Pat Paddle. So um, he was believed to have shot down as many as 50 enemy aircrafts during the war. <laughs>
2: Meet you in a plane shooting them. Oh, thank
0: goodness.
1: I thought you were having a stroke. <laughs>
0: Dahl later described the battle as an endless uh, an endless blur of enemy fighters whizzing towards me from every side. 22 German aircraft are believed to have been taken out in this battle, as were five of Dahl's squadron, killing four Allied pilots, including our man Marmaduke.
1: Pat Paddle was taken out. Yes, that's in 1941.
0: So he took down 50 planes in only less than a couple of years. Which I have no idea, but it's, it sounds like that is yeah. Impressive. But
2: that's, let's say like twenty-five planes a year. Because
0: so he was only in there for the yeah. it's like one a fortnight. One a fortnight.
2: <laughs> yeah, whoop! de frickin do.
0: <laughs> but it, he, if I'm reading this right, he's the highest scoring British ace of the war, and he died with the war having four years to remain. Is, is that no, right? No one caught
1: him up. Yeah. Wow. Wow.
2: If
0: I'm reading that right, but I'm where not is be. their
2: work ethic? Shoot down more planes.
1: It's really disappointing. Yeah, it Looking
2: is. Back. But do you know what it is? I mean, that sort of attitude comes from higher up. And I think management need to maybe put in place some sort of goal system. Yep. You've really got to have ownership over your work. Yes. Yep. Otherwise, you're not motivated.
1: Blame Churchill.
2: Yeah, it's Churchill's fault.
0: Uh, Dahl continued to see combat. But as the year went on, he started to get bad uh, headaches and began blacking out from them. Regularly black out.
1: Not real good when you're a pilot.
0: No. No. Um, this led to him being sent home to Britain.
2: Oh, so not going blind and breaking his back, they're like, out you go. He's got headaches. Back home you go, mate. Now you're done.
1: Yeah. I told you, Jess, it was a different time. <laughs> it was a different time. It was backwards. The less pain you had, the more likely you are to go home. How are you feeling? Good? Get the fuck home. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Get away from the plane. This guy over here has got seven broken limbs and he's only got four. So he's flying. I mean, but he was blacking nah, but out. No, he could break other limbs. He was blacking out. Yeah.
2: These four. And then uh, his willy broke that. That's five. Yeah, his third leg. And then uh, neck.
1: Yeah, we could call it a limb, but you could also uh, point to a wall and call it a limb.
2: And that wall. There's <laughs> a limb. Seven. <laughs>
0: Dahl's injuries from the war led to him needing a hip replacement and surgery to his spine on multiple occasions.
2: That's not fun.
0: He was then transferred to Washington, D.C. in the United States. Probably didn't need to qualify that. Becoming an intelligence officer at the British Embassy. While in Washington, he was encouraged to start writing... Sorry, Washington where? (laughs) uh, D.C., which I think stands for District of Columbia. (laughs) I broke that word up weird. (laughs) District of Columbia.
1: Is that right? That's what? right.
0: Great. I knew Dave would knew. I didn't know. I knew Dave would know.
1: Did you know Dave would know? <laughs> oh,
2: God.
0: Um, I'm either doing a lot of editing or this episode is going <laughs> to be fucked. it's <laughs> going <laughs> to be fucked. It's going to be fucked. Let's be honest with each other. Um, I
2: hope we always are.
0: <laughs> while in Washington, he was encouraged to start writing by author C.S. Forrester. He later said that his writing career was a pure fluke, saying, without being asked to, I doubt if I'd ever have even thought to do it. Wow. Which I love. And I kind of think that about a lot of things. I think without a few different things happening, you know, I reckon a lot of creative people wouldn't necessarily. Like some people have it in them, they just know from when they're born. Yeah. But, But I'm sure there's people out there, like the best novel ever written just never got made because the guy was too busy working down minds or something. You know, I, I yeah. just... To me, that would make sense that people wouldn't...
2: I, I wouldn't have thought I would do a podcast. If you didn't get asked.
1: Yeah. Matt, would you have done this podcast if I hadn't asked you? This or podcast? This. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, do you reckon you would be podcasting now?
2: Uh,
1: there you
0: go. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I had no um, ambition to at the time, I don't think. I can't remember. So long ago. So
2: long ago. Remember? We were so young. You're my everything now.
0: My first... My
1: Never leave me.
2: My hairy thing. <laughs> my,
1: my hairy. You're my first, my last, my hairy thing. <laughs> that's
0: what I like to. That's what I call you
1: guys. Started out poetic. Okay, got, who's got a bit first? Weird. Who's
2: last? Who's hairy thing? Should I go first. Matt's definitely the
1: hairy thing. Look at <laughs> <in> his face.
2: <laughs> He's so hairy. And I'm the last. Oh, nah, that's it's right. Sloppy thirds.
1: <laughs> Every time after myself.
0: Um.
2: My hair is hairy thing. <laughs>
0: That, ch- that really changes the meaning of that song. <laughs> <laughs> really, you're my hair thing. Never shave, baby. <laughs> soon, after, uh, soon after being spoken to by C.S. Forrester, being encouraged, he had his first short story published in the Saturday Evening Post on the 1st of August 1942. It was titled A Piece of Cake, and it was a story focused on his time in the war.
2: And how easy you thought it was. <laughs> Whatever. Yawn.
0: Yeah. Original title was piece of piss. But um, <laughs> the editor said, come on, man! <laughs> come on, mate.
1: Piss. I I cake sells, sells more than piss. Yeah. Cake we've,
0: sells. Yeah, everyone we've, knows that.
1: We've done a survey. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather cake or piss? Most people said cake. <laughs> a few people said piss and we gave them what they wanted.
2: We <laughs> pissed on their cake. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> compromise. That's all we're saying. Just compromise. Dahl started out writing stories for adults, uh, but he had his first attempt at a children's fiction story in 1942, writing The, uh, the Gremlins, um, who was uh, Walt Disney funded. The, the cartoonist
1: and a guy from Disney. No, I know who Walt Disney is. <laughs> was The Gremlins, it's his first thing for kids, but is it like a, a film
0: more than a novel? No, no, it was a novel. And oh, but Disney paid for that. Disney, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Sort of kind of like optioning it, but it um, it never got made into a film because it wasn't particularly successful. I was reading about the movie, you guys are probably familiar with, Gremlins. Mm. Um, so Gre- the, the idea of Gremlins became popular in World War Two with pilots and stuff, and that's what inspired him. Oh. Things going wrong with engines and stuff, it's like, oh, it's Gremlins, you know. Oh, okay. That's where the faults are. So they sort of made up these... Um, Little monsters. Uh, the guy who ended up making the Gremlins film said he was, you know, he re- he had read that story and he was somewhat inspired by it. And then uh, other times he said that he wasn't at all. You know, it was its own different thing. I don't. Know, I haven't seen it, but there were no planes, right? Maybe there were. What
1: the fuck? I also I haven't know. seen it, Jess. The you Simps- can't put them in a microwave. I
0: wonder if the Simpsons episode, you know, the Halloween episode oh, of the Simpsons with the, the gremlin, gremlin on the bus. Basically. I wonder oh, if that maybe so was scary. Scary. based on. I'm that's not actually sure. terrifying. That yeah, episode. I didn't like that. So, yeah, so it wasn't a particularly successful and he, he went back to writing macabre stories aimed at adults uh, throughout the 40s and into the 50s. Uh, in 1953, Dahl released a collection of his short stories entitled Someone Like You. It was Never
2: mind I fart, which the inspiration for the Adele song.
0: I, I, Googled, I Googled it to look into the the, story, uh, the book and that was by far um, the, the most common Result on Google was the Adele E song. Fascinating story. A little, just a, I thought I'd throw in a little fascinating story there.
2: Was that was that fascinating? Was it? Yeah. That you googled something. Yeah. And something else came up. Yeah.
0: I'm losing confidence in that story. Google,
2: you're my hairy thing, and see what comes up.
0: My first, oh, my last, no. my hairy thing, my heretic, um.
1: Your hairy dick. Yes.
0: Enough about it. All right, let's move on. Uh, so, someone like you was—it was very well received by critics and went on to win an Edgar Award. Have you heard of the Edgar Awards.
2: After Edgar Wright, the director of Shaun of the Dead.
0: <laughs> it's actually um, close. Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. Um, it's weird they didn't call them the Poe Awards. Yeah.
2: Then you could then you could win a Poe poll.
0: What? Uh, so, what, <laughs> while he is famous for his children's novels, he also had a lot of success writing for adults, um, winning uh, two further Edgar Awards, uh, which are presented by the Mystery Writers of America. One of his most famous short stories for adults, The Smoker, which is also known as The Man from the South, went on to be adapted for the screen a few different times, including by Quentin Tarantino, and also for Alfred Hitchcock's television series, Alfred Hitchcock Presents...
1: What was the Tarantino
0: one? Uh, a, a segment in his 1995 film, Four Rooms. Oh. Hmm. You regret asking now. Yeah.
2: No further questions, Your Honour. Uh,
0: this is again from that monthly article uh, about talking about his adult stories. Dahl's adult stories are uh, still a disturbing read. They share in the weird imagination that makes his children's fiction so satisfying, but a shorn of the boisterous and counterbalancing humour. And unlike in his children's fiction, cruelty tends to triumph, weak characters are humiliated, and cunning ones glory in their conquest. Hmm. In 1953, same that same year as the Adele song he wrote came out, mm-hmm. Dahl married actress Patricia Neal. Familiar with her, Dave, Jess? No. I, I, I didn't know her name, but she was an accomplished thespian. And uh, Neal... <laughs> the- thespian. Accomplished thespian. I pronounce my P's as B's. Uh, Neil, who would uh, go on to win the Academy Award for Best Actress in
2: 1963. Wow. Wow, what role? What a power couple.
0: Uh, It was the movie Hud, which I've never heard of. H-U-D?
2: Hud. Hud. Yeah, I haven't heard of that either. Which is what Kate Hudson was named after. And then, from that, the Hudson River, named after her.
0: Yeah, well, after Kate's son.
1: <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. That would be Hudson's son, <laughs> and her name, her son's name was of course River. River, yes. <laughs> it was just very convenient that the river happened to be a river.
2: Mm. Yeah, that is convenient. That's lucky. Very convenient. Yeah. If it wasn't, they'd be weird. They were just
1: pointing at things and saying, "That's Hudson River."
2: Oh, it's a river. Go we good?
1: Anyway, they were married for
0: thirty years, uh, from nineteen fifty-three to nineteen eighty-three, and Dahl and Neil had five children: Olivia, Chantel, Theo. Ophelia and Lucy. In 1960, he he had a pretty tough time in the 60s. In 1960, when Theo was just four months old, his pram was struck by a taxi and sort of pushed into a bus uh, in New York City. And for a while after he survived... Oh,
2: my God.
0: For a while after he suffered from uh, hydrocephalus. Uh, which is an acc- accumulation of cerebrospinal fluid within the brain. Oh. Uh, due to this, Roald Dahl became directly involved in the development of a device which was able to alleviate the problem. Wow. The device uh, was the Wade Dahl-Till valve. Wade being a hydraulic engineer uh, named Stanley Wade and Till being neurosurgeon Kenneth Till. Obviously, the Dahl part being Roald Dahl, the children's author. What?
2: Oh. holy shit
0: um, so some people are sort of saying like he yeah quite interested in in gizmos and stuff and that that came through in some of his his writing
2: who's a what's-its and gizmos yeah, and uh, know, do wackies yeah little
0: do wackies sorry <laughs> just to correct you there on the terminology but um uh, the device was used successfully on nearly three thousand children around the world
1: oh, that's so he invented
0: a thing that like a life-saving thing wow. like co- we played a role in it. I imagine the neurosurgeon and the engineer probably... Well, he's going, oh, let's think of a cool name. I got words. <laughs> and probably money too. No, I don't know. I don't... I didn't look into that too much. But anyway, he, he was involved enough to get his name in it. Mm. Uh, in November 1962, Dahl's eldest child, Olivia, died from the measles at oh seven years of age. <gasps> like his sister, same age. Her death led to Dahl losing faith in God. Oh. Um viewing religion as a sham, he um, went to archbishop, former Archbishop of Canterbury, Geoffrey Fisher, his old oh, headmaster, yeah. mm. for spiritual guidance. And he was dismayed when he was told that while Olivia would be in heaven, her dog would never join her there. Thinking back to that conversation, Dahl later recalled, I wanted to ask him how he could be so abso- absolutely sure that other creatures did not get the same special treatment as us. I sat there wondering if this great and famous churchman really knew what he was talking about and whether he knew anything about God or heaven. And if he didn't, then who in the world did? You know, he just started doubting. And I was like, I don't know if this joker knows what he's talking about. Mm. And if not him, he's basically the king of the Church of England, if I understand that right. The king's (laughs) that, isn't he? But you know what I mean. (laughs) The king of the church. Uh So, the the 1960s were very tough for the Dahl family. Um, Following his son's injuries and his daughter's passing, his wife, Patricia, suffered multiple cerebral aneurysms while pregnant with their fifth child, Lucy. She was in a coma for three weeks, and one newspaper even ran an obituary for her. Whoa. Um, But she pulled through. So, at that stage, she was an Academy Award winner.
1: This is after the Academy Award? Yeah. Wow. Wow.
0: Um. So, you know, it was big news at the time yeah. and, then a, and a paper's running an obituary saying she has gone. Coma of three X. But she pulled through and gave birth to a healthy child.
2: Wow.
0: Um, the aneurysms led to a lengthy rehabilitation process where she had to relearn how to walk and talk. Um, but she and she also had to, you know, she went back to acting after that as well. Uh, to such a high standard that she was once again nominated for an Academy Award in 1968, only a couple of years later. That was for her, her role in The Subject Was Roses, another film I'm not familiar with. But, yeah, obviously very good actress. That's actor. crazy. Um, she lost on this occasion. Uh, oh,
2: what the fuck?
0: To Tide winners, which I didn't... Does that happen very often? Oh, pretty rarely. And this doesn't seem right. Barbara Streisand. And she won a Best Actress Award. Yeah. Wow. And Catherine Hepburn. So that's quite oh, a wow. big double. Yeah, Catherine
1: Hepburn, who won four.
2: Streisand. Best
1: Actress Academy Awards.
0: Yeah, and the other Hepburn won an EGOT, right? Is that right? No.
1: Audrey Hepburn, but they're not related.
0: Not related. And so did Whoopi Goldberg.
2: They're not related.
0: The two Hepburns, no.
2: Really? Catherine
0: and Audrey Hepburn.
2: I thought they were. No, there you go. They're not related. No,
0: I reckon we could. I reckon we'd be able to find you here, realizing that in the Academy <laughs> Awards episode as well.
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> did we
1: talk about that? Cher also won an Academy Award.
2: Yeah, Sure. Yeah, she's amazing. But the head burns. really.
0: Yeah, it did feel like they'd be sisters, right? What are the odds?
2: They look similar.
0: They're the only two Hepburns I've ever heard of. Me too. Apart from Hepburn Springs, the outer suburb of Melbourne. Uh.
2: Yes, which is named after them. Yes. But Johnny
1: Hepburn?
0: Oh, sorry. Also Johnny Hepburn. And Who Ga- I assume exists somewhere. What about Christopher Hepburn. Walken Hepburn? <laughs> oh, obviously Christopher Walken <laughs> Hepburn.
1: <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
0: had another much more successful go at writing fiction aimed at children during this time. Um, uh, he, he wrote classics such as 1961's James and the Giant Peach.
2: I know it. Oh,
0: a
1: film that terrified me as a child.
2: I loved it. Really? Mm. Awesome. I didn't
1: like how he was treated badly by by the... Uh, st- yeah, he gets adopted out, or grandparents, or auntie and uncle.
0: Very common motifs through his stories. Yeah, being
1: treated and then having to go off into your own little like imaginary that's world. Right. And, yeah,
0: and, um, and that some were saying that you know his dad died when he was young. A lot of orphans. The heroes of the stories are often yeah. orphans, and um, and then he was off to boarding school, and there were a lot of really tough um, adults around, you know, beating him down, and so that was potentially. One of the reasons why um, a lot of his stories went that way. He also wrote uh, 1964's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was obviously an, it was it was very popular. Um, and uh, 1970s Fantastic Mr. Fox.
2: I loved Fantastic Mr. Fox.
0: All of these have been adapted for stage and or screen, as well as later classics such as The BFG and Matilda. Um, and, and many of those becoming really big hits, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the BFG, um, were adapted for screen multiple times.
2: Mm-hmm. The big question is: Gene Wilder or Johnny Depp?
0: There is not a question. It depends on what you're talking about.
1: Who? Who? Oh, sorry. The question: Who did if it the, worse?
0: Johnny Depp. If the If the question is who smuggled small dogs into Australia, um, then I think it is.
2: That was a question, yes.
0: In the 1960s, Dahl also wrote some screenplays, uh, including adaptations for two Ian Fleming novels. It, was,
2: was, oh. We
1: talked about this, didn't we? He did one of the Bond movies and then also Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's right. Yeah,
2: that's right, yeah.
1: So that's the Bond
0: link. Chitty so Chitty Bang Bang. It, you Only Live Twice was the Bond film and also Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Uh, He also began writing the screen adaptation for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but after failing to meet deadlines, the job was taken away from him. It was taken over by David Seltzer, who uh, changed the storyline in a few minor ways, but uh, Dahl was unhappy with these changes, and he ended up disowning the film, and was particularly disappointed with how he thought it placed too much emphasis on Willy Wonka and not enough on Charlie. Uh, Which is pretty well illustrated by the fact that the movie version (laughs) changed changed the the name (laughs) from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, That film came out in 1971. His disappointment led him to refuse any further remakes of the book or its sequel, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, Mm. in his lifetime. So a remake, obviously, with Johnny Depp was made not until after he passed away.
2: Spoiler alert.
0: Uh, do you guys picture a certain kind of illustration with Roldale books? Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I totally do as well. That's sort of, it's pretty loose and scratchy. Scratchy, yeah. yeah. Um, Imagining
2: was... the witches.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. I was a big fan of the twits. The twits, yeah. yes.
0: Um, did you realize, though, uh, that illustrator, he only got on board with the 1978 book The Enormous Crocodile? I that one. And the illustrator's name was Quentin Blake. Yeah. So for the first, you know, 15, you know, years or so of him writing children's books, they they people didn't have those pictures in their heads when they were reading along. Hmm. Not until 1978, and from then on, sort of. Uh, This is, again, quoting from The Monthly. There's a paragraph here about Blake. In Blake, Dahl found an artist who perfectly captured both the humour and the grotesquerie of his writing, which is a fucking sick word, grotesquerie. So good. Blake's line drawings are one reason why Dahl's books have not dated. Unlike the visual style of Enid Blighton's Famous Five series, the present-day appeal of which is self consciously retro. Blake's illustrations are essentially timeless and in their zest they fairly bounce off the page with a kinetic energy that complements Dahl's own enthusiastic choice of words and the physical transformations to which his characters are so often subject. Okay, so I've touched on a little bit of dodgy stuff about him.
1: Aww. Um, I was going to say he seems pretty good. Yeah,
2: apart from just being a little bit backwards but aww. Yeah,
0: and um Anyway, this is sort of the, the most controversial thing about him is probably this. Uh, I didn't know a lot about him uh, before reading up on him this week.
1: He killed several people. <laughs> oh, you know, a... a day. It was a habit. <laughs> I be... helped him write.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested to know if, if you guys knew about this. I, I definitely didn't. Um, he was a bit of an anti-Semite.
2: Oh, no, I did not know that.
0: Did you know that, Dave? Did not know that at all. Yeah, that fe- it feels wild that he's still like have like movies are being made of his books. He's still seen as like a legend, but it... yeah, pretty full on. Um, this is what what he said once to a reporter: "There's a trait in the Jewish character that does provoke animosity. I mean, there is always a reason why anti anything crops up anywhere. Even a stinker like Hitler doesn't just pick on them for no reason."
2: Oh, no.
1: I see.
2: But at least he said Hitler was bad.
1: That's tr-
0: that, that he is true. He said he was a stinker. stinker.
2: He doesn't agree with Hitler.
0: But he doesn't pick on him for no reason. Yeah, Hitler a had a point. a wild thing to say. He said that to Fuck. a journalist.
2: No. Yes. Not good.
0: Um. So now I'm going to give you some sort of some people trying to make excuses for him a bit, okay? He said there were other examples of, of similar things that he'd said. Um, Steven Spielberg directed the film adaptation of uh, his book, Dahl's book, The Big Friendly Giant, in 2016. He's mm-hmm. Spielberg's a Jewish filmmaker. I don't know if you've heard of him. Mm. Steven Spielberg, you guys?
2: No. Um,
0: no, but he... I'm willing to hear him out. When he was asked at Cannes, uh, Cannes Film Festival about these things, Uh, he said, I wasn't aware of any of Roald Dahl's personal stories. I was focused on the story he wrote. Later, when I began asking questions of people who knew Dahl, they told me he liked to say things he didn't mean just to get a reaction. And all his comments, which I've now read about, about bankers are all very old fashioned, mid 30 stereotypes we hear from Germany that he would say for effect, even if they were horrible things. So he sort of, it's mm-hmm. like he's going. nah, I was just just trying to get a rise out of he's people. He's just being
2: a shit stirrer. Hmm.
0: Which is feels to me kind of unlikely. Yeah. Like you don't say that.
1: I mean, it's not like a he's not a punk. He's a children's writer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like um, fuck the man. Fuck the man. He has a magical chocolate <laughs> factory. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> his
0: his uh, Wikipedia um, page, they go into it a bit as well, uh, quoting. Amelia Foster, who's the director of the Roald Dahl Museum, um, talking about these quotes, uh, Amelia's quote is saying, this is again an example of how Dahl refused to take anything seriously, even himself. He was very angry at the Israelis. He had a childish reaction to what was going on in Israel. Dahl wanted to provoke, as he always provoked at dinner. His publisher was a Jew, his agent was a Jew, and he thought nothing but good things of them. He asked me to be his managing director and I'm Jewish. So he's sort of saying, look, no, nah, some of his best friends are Jewish kind of thing. Mm. And he, there was a quote from Dahl also saying that he wasn't anti-Semitic, he was anti-Israeli. So he was... But, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, fuck.
1: And the director of the museum there does seem like they're sort of defending their life as well. Yeah, it's A bit the... like the, the Simpsons where she exposes Jebediah Springfield as a fraud. Totally. The director of the Springfield Museum is like... No, no, got to cover that up because yeah. I've directed my, dedicated my mm. life to this.
0: This guy being a hero, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. It is exactly that. I wouldn't be surprised if that was The Simpsons spoofing this. He died in, uh, in 1990, same year The Simpsons started. I don't know if that's a coincidence. It started in 89, didn't it? Yep, Damn sorry.
1: Me. But the same year that Jess and I started our lives.
0: Yeah, he died when you, you were born. Do you think maybe uh, your his spirit lives on in you guys?
2: Definitely, I've yes. Got, I've
1: got some opinions.
0: <laughs> and uh, I
2: love chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and factories. <laughs>
0: so, so, obviously, that's all pretty fucked. Um, and the other thing that uh, come came up a bit reading about him, you know, from people talking negatively about him, was his sort of more old school fashion opinions about women. I, that's not the right... I'm being like... I'm coding it. He's misogynistic.
2: Okay,
0: yep. Um. So, the the monthly article also talked about some of those themes running into a lot of his writing, especially his adult fiction, but also some of his children's fiction. And he, and, and they said that the women characters in Dahl's children's stories are split between being benign and evil. One of the two. Yeah. You know, then he's, he's not particularly positive with his women. You know, so... Um, and it's really hard to do this sort of report where you're talking about a guy and then you're gonna you're what you're gonna wrap up the story. But <laughs> it's like if it's it's like anyway, you know, he went on to have successes. Yeah, and yeah. It's like I don't know what to how to do this particularly, but, but I, at the
2: same time, you've got to be balanced. Give us the good and the bad, you know. So
0: he his last decade of his life died in 1990. Last decade of his life was super successful writing. This is also when he's saying a lot of these fucked up things. Great. Um, but he had a lot of his big hits. Uh, in the He's a- like, I'm saying
1: these things, and I'm getting bigger. It's working.
0: Mm. Um, this is the monthly again. Dahl wrote several of his best books: the BFG, the Witches, Matilda, and his two volumes of his autobiography, Boy and Going Solo. During the 1980s, the final decade of his life, he had been re-energized by a second marriage. So he divorced after 30 years um, and and remarried. Basically straight away To a woman named Felicity Licky Crossland <laughs> <laughs> It'd be Lissy It'd be Lissy No Licky No is not Licky. Licky
1: Licky Licky
2: <laughs> Call her Flicky Licky
0: uh, With whom he had conducted A long term love affair Alright wow. also a cheater
1: How many Academy Awards Has Flicky Licky won? Yeah what?
2: Who's Who the fuck is Flicky Licky? Who's cheating?
1: on an Academy Award winner Get your bloody house in order Rolled
2: Old
0: uh, His four remaining children Had all grown up And he was an aging man Writing for a, a vast And eager fan base Of young readers In his maturity He had learned A certain tenderness Not for everyone
2: He got soft that. with age
0: Probably no, For
1: everyone Except a certain Type Yeah Women <laughs> I said two and... <laughs> certain types <laughs> Which as a large population Of this planet
0: Yeah I'd say Yeah quite a, Quite a large population um, probably no one who has read The Witches has ever forgotten the book's ending.
1: Have you read The Witches? I have not because I do not know the book's ending.
2: I have read The Witches, but I don't remember how it ends.
0: Oh, well, that's interesting. So uh, this I think article... as soon as
2: I say it, as soon as you say it, I'll know. All
1: right, let's put a spoiler alert in case you want to read The Witches.
0: Yeah, spoiler alert if anyone's about to read The Witches. Skip forward a minute.
1: I- I've seen the movie
0: as a kid, which I found I remember finding quite scary. That was one of the things, you know. Oh, didn't, all... they,
2: didn't they turn the boy into a mouse?
0: Yeah. And, and all the and the witches pretend to be women. women you yeah. know, they're very pretty, but underneath they're hideous freaks, which is and some wasn't... people are saying is like, a, that's clear. That's him being a bit mm. like women underneath. You know, don't trust them. They're all hiding something. Well,
2: that's just true. <laughs> um, can I, so he turns, the little boy gets turned into a mouse and he spends basically the whole time trying to get turned back into a boy. Yes. But he doesn't.
0: That's right. Yeah. which okay, is pretty, I do remember. Pretty, so then I'm going to read the last few lines out of it, which uh, this monthly article also um, quoted. Well, you you uh, summed that up nicely. He doesn't get turned back into a, a boy. Mm. And this is a little dialogue between him and his uh, grandmother. Grandmother, yeah. How old are you, grandmama, I asked. I'm 86, she said. Will you live another eight or nine years? I might, she said, with a bit of luck. You've got to, I said because by then I'll be a very old mouse, and you'll be a very old grandmother, and soon after that we'll both die together.
2: Yeah, brutal.
0: So he's a boy going, I know how long mice live.
1: Yeah, I've worked out the average age of a mouse. <laughs> Which seems
0: long. I didn't realise mice live that long. But anyway... Um,
2: well, maybe when they're living with a, an elderly woman who looks after them, yeah. And out ju- in the wild, where cats can get them. Just
0: as a like a boy, imagine like his... And sort of saying, like, that's rolled sort of, all right, that's how it is. Mm. Move on. My dad died. He just died.
1: (laughs) He just kept yelling that all the time. My dad died! (laughs) Every time the publisher said, maybe we should change that. My dad died! (laughs) No, you're right. Sorry, I'm so sorry. He died 70 years ago. (laughs) So
0: sorry. Uh, Dahl died on November the 23rd, 1990 from an unspecified infection at the age of 74. Over his decade-long writing career, Dahl composed 19 children's books and nine short story collections. Dahl's popularity in Australia, uh, at least, is still very strong. Um, Over the the last decade, each of Dahl's leading children's titles, Matilda, The Witches, The BFG, and Charlie and the Chocolate, Chocolate Factory, have all made roughly $1 million in local sales.
2: Just in Australia? Yeah. Wow. Books. How about them?
0: Um,
1: so he would have been mega
0: rich Yeah I mean that, but All of those sales then Are after he died So But he was selling even better During his life I mm. guess. But yeah He's just one of it's Just an evergreen Sort of popularity wise I don't think a lot of people Know about the hate in his soul But <laughs>
2: um. <laughs> So that's funny
0: uh, I'll finish with this line, f- again, from the monthly article that I obviously love so much, which I should link to if anyone wants to read it in full. Um, this is quoting Dahl. I believe that mentally I am a sort of overgrown char- child.
2: Child. <laughs> child. I'm an overgrown child. Child. He
0: wrote in 1986 for the Sunday Times. Um He described himself as a giggler, a lover of childish jokes and knock-knocks.
2: Um, my ears are burning.
0: (laughs) A chocolate and sweet eater.
1: (laughs) And a raging anti-Semite. Oh. Cheers. (laughs) Is that the next
2: part?
0: And a person with one half of him that has completely failed to grow up and understand that Jewish people are just people too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One half of him has failed to grow up. Which half? Yeah, it's, <laughs> he looks down at his legs. At <laughs> children's legs. <laughs> like seven-year-old's it, legs. He's that tiny God philosopher. Damn God damn it.
0: And that is my report. <clears throat> what, a, what a conflicted story. Yeah. You well, know, I know it. R- reminiscing about these childhood stories and going, yeah. oh, what a big, f- he was the big friendly giant, six foot six. Mm. You know, he, he went through so many tough things and you're like.
2: And he has that sort of famous quote about like thinking good thoughts.
0: Right, yeah.
2: You know like getting good thoughts and a new face will be beautiful, <laughs> I mean Pete probably said it a bit better, but he was a writer. What am I? a bloody podcaster hey How about it?
1: Well, Roald Dahl never even appeared on a podcast, so fuck him. yeah, fuck yeah. that
2: guy I'm going to find out. My quote parents now.
1: went to see Roald Dahl speak in the i it was probably the eighties when he came out to australia really that's cool and it said on the on the thing this is for adults only, this is not a kid's event, this is not a kid's event. Then when they went along, some people had brought their kids. And apparently he came out and fucking cracked the shits that there were kids there and made him made him leave. Oh, brutal! Because like, this is not like I'm not talking about my kids' books.
2: This is, you get the fuck out, adult writer. That yeah,
0: that is tough. That is tough
2: for but yeah, tough everyone. For everyone. And I was like, yeah, the parents um, haven't I told read the. You. Yeah, but. but that same person wrote, "If you have good thoughts, they'll shine out of your face like sunbeams, and you'll always look lovely." Now get the fuck out. <laughs> So you know, we're all we've all got, yeah, uh, we've all got flaws, I guess.
0: Yes. Mm.
1: Pelvic flaws.
2: We've all got pelvic flaws. That is true. Some of us
1: wear waterproof sacks because our pelvic floors are not as good as others. <laughs> now, thank you for that. Uh... <laughs>
2: <laughs> what just happened?
1: Dave
0: just moved on, which as he should have.
2: Yep, Go for it, Dave. Sorry.
1: And thank you for that great report there, Matt. Very good. Very good report, Matt. Very good stuff. Thanks, Jess. A crazy life. My sassy twin.
2: Sass twins. Do, 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 we'd like to thank do, you. Do, do. We'd like Sass to thank twins. Roald
1: Dahl for, for ever living so we could talk about him. And we'd also like to thank everyone that supports the show in any way, just for downloading it, you supporting the show. Also,
0: Harry, me, Andy, Kevin, and Oscar for suggesting the topic. Yes, thank you, Did guys. Did you guys know... That he was a bit of a... Is that why you asked us to do the topic?
2: Are they also anti-Semites?
0: No, I just thought maybe they were like...
2: Anti-Semites.
0: Because, you know, it definitely added another dimension. Oh, man, I still haven't gotten over it. I only learnt that yesterday.
2: You mean last week when you started this report? No, it was it... at the
0: end. I'd pretty much written the report and I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh. Imagine if I did it and just...
2: Glossed ignored over it. it, yeah.
1: Ugh. Here's a question. Now you know what you know. Are you less inclined to want to engage with his material Yeah, in your life to yes. you introduce it to future generations of your no. family? Or are you a bit like, no, I don't want to read that now? No, I Does think, it affect it?
0: I think it does affect me. I can't, I can't separate that well like others can between art and the artist. I find it hard to do.
2: That's why you can't watch me do stand-up.
0: Because <laughs> I know you're such a bad... Dark-souled person, but
2: the comedy so, so good. good. <laughs> oh, it's so, so good. <laughs> political biting. Gee, she's, she's fuck. She's, she's, she's poignant. Just poignant. Put down the mirror. I
1: can't stand to look at myself and the rest of society.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's
1: how I feel.
0: Jess, I didn't realise what pathos meant until you adorned the stage.
2: Adorned. With
0: pathos. <laughs> With pathos. It was everywhere. just oh, wow. was hanging it from the ceiling. You know, like ornamental pathos. I thought it was a, like a... Uh, yeah, I didn't realise it was actually just a decoration.
2: <laughs> There's a curtain on the stage. Anyway, let's thank some Patreon people. Yeah, so
1: what we're trying to do here is uh, thank everyone that supports the show through Patreon. Patreon.com slash on pod for all your patreon needs, including uh, where you can get uh, bonus episodes of the show if you support us there. And a little shout out at the end of the episode. And uh, Jess, we've got some people you'd like to thank that support us through Patreon.
2: I do have some people I'd like to thank and I do need to apologise <laughs> early because I'm going to say your name wrong and I'm sorry and God bless you. What's the
0: game this week, Dave?
2: I was going to say uh, the game could be giving them a doll, Dahl like, children's book title. Oh, okay. You know? Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. What if
1: it's just them and the giant something? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's them and the giant something. Great.
2: So the first person I want to thank from Swansea in the UK is uh, Seri John Jones. Sherry John. C-E-R-I. What's that, Dave? C-E-R-I.
0: Seri. Seri John or Jones. Or Cherry.
2: Cherry John Jones.
0: It's a great name either way. It's a good name. John, jo- John in the Jones works well.
2: Yeah, so good, right? So thank you very much.
0: Sorry, John Jones and the giant duvet.
2: <laughs> the giant duvet. Where were you going with that?
1: If you can own some, one giant thing, you do not want a giant duvet.
2: Why not? Be so snuggly.
1: Oh, I'm imagining like giant, like it's big enough to wrap up my house.
2: Yeah, then your house is snuggly.
1: You've got a whole world under there.
2: Oh, that's so snuggly. And it's all snuggly.
0: <laughs> you live in a snuggly world. And you can get under there to get away from your your abusive adoptive parents. Yeah, imagine the adventures you could get up to.
2: Dave, hmm? it's like life is one big pillow fort. That's exciting. That's really exciting. Excellent. Um, and the other person I would definitely like to thank as well from Prenton is Toby Chanin. That's another cool name, Chanin. Chanin, Chanin, Chanin. 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 Toby Toby Chanin. Chanin. Toby, Chanin. Chanin. Toby Chanin. Toby Chanin. Thank you, Toby. And the giant Uncle Toby's <laughs> bar.
0: <laughs> Toby Channon and <laughs> the giant <laughs> Uncle Toby's bar.
1: I'd read that. <laughs> We're discovering I'd that... read that. I'd read that. <laughs> We're discovering that Roald Dahl may, be, may, have, may have been a genius after all. It's harder to come up with it than we thought.
2: Disagree. This is very easy.
1: <laughs> all right, Matt. Next. What do we got?
0: Uh, I'd love to thank, if I may, uh, John Faulner.
2: Faulner.
0: That can't be right. John Faulner. He's from Marrickville, New South Wales. Oh, please come to our show, John. Marrickville, yeah, that's in Sydney, right? Yeah. John! That's like, there's a famous thing in Marrickville. What's the famous Marrickville thing? And what's his name? What?
2: Oh,
1: it's just a what? beautiful, trendy area. Yeah, but what's his story?
0: Oh, sorry. You
1: <laughs> what's his name again? John. John uh. Fa- Falner. John Falner. And the giant athletics track. Yes. Nine kilometres in circumference. <laughs> oh,
2: it's huge.
1: No man or woman has ever completed it without stopping for a piss break.
2: You could definitely run 9Ks, Dave.
1: No man or woman. <laughs> can... Wow.
0: And so what kind of adventures does he get up to?
1: Mainly training for the big run.
0: <laughs> You've given him a burden. <laughs> I'd also love to thank, uh, from Nelson in New Zealand, Leroy Emmanuel Flynn. Oh,
2: Leroy Emmanuel Flynn,
0: Tripditch.
1: <sighs> Apart from Pat Pat Paddle, that's the best time we've had on the whole show.
0: Leroy Emmanuel Flynn, Nelson, New Zealand. All right, yeah, so it's Leroy
1: Emmanuel, and
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a run up, Jess, and you're gonna give me the. Don't think, blank your mind, blank your mind. Let's just see what it's happens. It's already here. pretty <laughs> blank. <laughs> Leroy Emmanuel Flynn and the giant
2: banana. <laughs>
1: Wow. She got a run up for that.
2: <laughs> Banana. Banana.
0: <laughs> Man, he's going to have potassium for days. Lucky bastard. What well on Leroy.
2: <laughs> enjoy. Enjoy, right. enjoy Roy.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much for the support,
1: Leroy and John. My two favourites this well, week. I'd like to thank a couple of my own favourites. Mm. All the way from incredible place name coming up. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Oh fuck yeah, that's good. That's really cool. I'd like to
2: thank Robert Chimenti. Chimenti. Robert Chimenti. Oh, that is it. That's
0: man. The names today have been great.
2: Very good names. Robert Chimenti and the giant crispy chicken sub. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. And banana was dumb. <laughs> He kept chasing
0: it. He kept chasing, like, a little little bit more... chicken
2: (laughs) sub, because you can't just have crispy chicken. It's got to be in something. I haven't finished
1: yet. (laughs) No, I'm done. I'm done. Robert Jimetti and the giant chicken sub. Crispy chicken sub. Great. Thanks, Robert. We appreciate you listening in bloody Broken Arrow, Oklahoma.
0: I wonder if... Because Broken Arrow is the name of a a 90s film starring John Travolta and Christian Slater. Is it? I wonder if if that is where he lives. In a 90s action film.
2: I think so. I uh, think we can safely Robert, assume that.
1: Robert Shimonti uh, in the giant 90s action film. That's way better. There it
2: is. There it is.
1: Very, very cool. And I've, I've got one final person to okay, thank this great. week. All and right, they great. are from uh, Manchester.
2: <laughs> Manchester?
1: Manchester. Okay. And that is Jack
2: Marshland. Marshland. Ooh, okay, Marshland. Matt, this is you. Ready? I'm giving you a run up.
0: I think that's Marsland. I mean, I, I Reading over may, your shoulder there. I think it may
1: have autocorrected. I do apologise. What we do is we write down each of your names at the start and it didn't recognise Marsland as
2: a word. So it was
1: Marsland. like, did you mean marshland? So I'm going to say Jack Marsland and the giant marshland. Very confusing.
0: Oh, that's very
2: good. But that was Matt's go. God, you're selfish, Dave. Look, I came up... Fuck you! If you
1: come up with giant crispy chicken strip sub, whatever I said, then you deserve a second go. It's carryover champ, and I won. You deserve a second go because you fucked the (laughs) first one. I begged for a second (laughs) go off mic. I said to Matt, please Please. let me do that. And thank you, Jack Marsland and the giant marshland.
0: Well, it's unfortunate because I'd really blanked my mind. I was ready. To say something
2: that takes a lot of mindfulness it does take a
0: lot of mindfulness I'm really mindful right now Dave but you filled it with
1: marshland sorry Jess Perkins and the giant deesh <laughs> 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 what the fuck is a deesh
0: right, I'm gonna have to google it because that was that came from somewhere right inside my brain that how would you spell that
1: D W E S H. <laughs> Jess Perkins and the giant Deesh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just his face, too, it was just like, oh no. De- <laughs> it was like, dish. what am I saying?
0: <laughs> Alright, there's an Urban Dictionary.
2: Oh, uh, This will not be good. Deesh. It's always sexual. It's always sexual in Urban Dictionary.
0: Oh no, this is good. Oh, this is.
2: What's a dish? Just very apt.
0: Dish. Dish this is so jess to do your damn thing no matter what anybody else says or does to be true to yourself because nobody else can
2: i uh, i do that in a giant way that is your dish you are a dish am i a dish you're a giant dish absolutely not a dish
0: oh there's a second one deech bag. Uh, a word used to substitute any other word you want or used to cut somebody off other forms disha deeshified. <laughs> got goddamn deesh, etc.
2: I hate everything you're saying.
0: That's no good, right? <laughs> First one was good. There's an example here. Man, I was deeshin' at Mr. Simpson, right? When this one chick was talking about she was trying <laughs> to slide on me one time and deesh.
1: <laughs> oh, that's what it means.
0: <laughs> that definition was from oh, 2009. A good year. It's time changed. I'm strange. In sense.
1: a way. I was trying to slide up, and I was like, what the D? Is that what it was? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. It, 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 the second one just means any word.
1: Any word, which is what we will... Je, Jess and the giant, anything, <laughs> is what we're looking
2: for. <laughs> She's very lonely. She'll take it. She'll take giant anything.
0: Jess Perkins and the giant to do your damn thing <laughs> no matter what anybody else says or does to be true to yourself because no one else can.
2: No one else can.
0: What a story that is. Mm.
2: You go. <laughs> D- you go girl. You get your D. shaw Holy shit, we've got it's late. We've got, we've got get to go. Before we got to go minds.
1: before we go. We have got to tell you uh, if you want to get in contact with this show, do so at any time to suggest a topic via email dogoonpod at gmail.com we're on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at do go on pod, and of course the aforementioned Patreon if you want to get the bonus episode this month it's coming up soon patreon.com slash dogoonpod for that <laughs> alright we've got to go thank you so much guys we'll see you next week until then I will say goodbye
2: Later. bye <laughs> this is flying past the
0: mic
1: acquaintance. Is
0: that Mrs. Doubtfire?
1: Hello. It's always Mrs. Doubtfire.
0: <laughs> 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 You've got two gears. Uh, <laughs> neutral. <one. laughs> neutral. And Mrs. In,
1: Doubtfire. And doubt. <laughs>
2: Put it in doubt. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> Is neutral a
0: gear? Anyway.
2: God, imagine Matt as a primary school teacher.
0: Look, you kiddies, you better bloody listen up. Broden. No, Broden, sorry. <laughs> Did you say imagine Broden as a. <laughs> yeah.
2: I always imagine Broden as a primary school teacher. And I think it would sound a little something. I like that.
0: Broden from the Aunty Donald podcast, another planet broadcast. Now, song. hang on, you bloody
2: kids with their bloody noisy boots.
0: Is Broden. Is he Is he big enough of a, a superstar now that we don't. I, we probably don't even need to. I think in He's the like world, He's like Cher.
2: Yeah. He's just Broden. How many other Brodens do you know? But
1: in the world of celebrity voice impersonations, it goes Michael Caine, then Broden Kelly. They're the two go-to. Hey, can you...
0: All right, I want to hear you guys. Just very quickly before we really piss off everyone listening, especially for the first time. Dave as Michael Caine meeting Jess as Broden Kelly.
2: (laughs) Hello, Broden. I'm Michael Caine. Oh, bloody hello, Michael Caine. I like your movies. I'm Broden Kelly. (laughs) A, a, A pleasure, sir. I'm Michael Caine I do my little skits and riddles And I play an angry man But on the inside I'm a nice man And and, and
1: I've won two Academy Awards
0: Dave, are you Michael Caine or Tiny Tim? (laughs) What day is it today?
1: (laughs) He's also looking off into the middle distance I, I was in that film, sir
0: a Very Muppets Christmas. Yeah, that was Michael Cato's Scrooge.
1: Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do good. remember. Of course uh, I remember his finest work. I'm
0: putting that little bit in at the end of the episode. I, I sp- promise I promised someone a secret track at the end, and <laughs> that is going in.